Hey everyone, we are back with another episode of our podcast allowing you to get to know people working behind the scenes of the crypto industry. Today we catch up with Chris McGregor, the CEO of Vesto.io. Vesto is a turnkey solution for businesses to safely scale into the future of digital assets. Welcome to the 103rd episode of the Inside Crypto Podcast. This episode was recorded on September 16th, 2022. Today we dive into payments, remittances, and how one company is paving the way for how companies interact with their customers. I would like to thank my employer Amun Tokens for making podcasts like this happen. Please don't forget to check us out and our products at tokens.amun.com. Thanks everyone for listening and don't forget to tune in next week where we interview someone else in the cryptocurrency universe. Hey everyone, wherever you are. I hope you're having a wonderful week so far. We're here with the latest episode of the Inside Crypto Show. Interviews and discussion with the regular people just like yourselves. Today we're joined by Christopher McGregor, CEO and co-founder of Vesto, a multi-token protocol for decentralized services. Before we get started, I have to do the usual disclaimer. Anything said by either Chris or myself does not constitute financial advice. Our opinions are our own and not to be connected with our respective organizations. Please, everyone do your own research because it's just Chris on the podcast today. We can spend more time talking about his background, how he got into crypto and where he is today. Chris, thank you so much for making time today. Tell us about yourself. Yeah, thank you very much for having me on the show. A little background on me. I would say that I am a tech guy. I have been in tech as long as I can remember my entire career and I'm a full stack and I'm from San Francisco, living in San Francisco. And what year was it? It was 2018. And I decided if I don't get into crypto, I'm never going to live with myself. I'm never going to forgive myself. So I joined a company to actually build a competing blockchain to Ethereum. It didn't work out, but what came out of that was kind of a boot camp or almost a PhD in crypto. And I was hooked. A year later, when I saw Circle and some of these guys with stable coins and DeFi, I thought to myself, I'm going to start my own company and go for it. And that's Vesto. Nice. You mentioned 2018, you said like, if I don't get into crypto, I'm going to regret it. Where did that feeling come from? To be honest with you, when the light bulb went on, when I actually understood the core of how the crypto techniques work with the private key and the public key and the elliptical curve and signing messages, the immutable aspects of the blockchain, the decentralized, there was literally one day I was sitting at a coffee shop early in the morning and the light bulb went on and I thought to myself, wow, this is going to change the world. And I think that was in 2018. And then when seeing some of these DeFi protocols like Compound and others starting to build stuff, I thought to myself, I was hooked. I just could not. It was done. <laughs> I've never gone back. I, once you get into crypto, it's hard to leave it. That is very true. Going back to you said your tech experience, would you say as having that tech background is what allowed you to get into crypto so quickly and understand it at a level that most of us don't understand it? I would say yes and no. I would say my background, I'm full stack. I've built tons of different products and industries. So the answer in that respect, yes, because you understand how to write the code and look at it and analyze it, but it was a huge, and that's the yes part. The no part is it was a huge paradigm shift, right? Just having little smart contracts that are immutable, that live and that you can't change. And the fact that everything is built on these cryptographic techniques just blew my mind. So that part was challenging to get over that huge hump learning curve. But once you get over it, then it's, I wouldn't say it's easy sailing, but it's a lot more fun. Nice. Okay. Chris, as somebody with a lot of experience, we have 
listening to podcast demographics and YouTube demographics, we have a few 14 to 21, 22 year olds. For someone to get into crypto now to do what you're doing, what would be your suggestion for them? I will give the advice my older brother, who is my mentor, gave me. He's my brother, Greg McGregor. Phenomenal guy. He taught me everything when I was a kid. I've been in tech probably since I was 12 years old because of him. He said, learn the basics. Learn everything you can about the basics. Don't go after the hype, you know, the hype and, oh, this coin's going to be worth a ton of money. Spend the time to understand the basics and the fundamentals of crypto. And what I compare crypto, very similar to the dot-com, right? You have the big dot-com wave, it crashed, and the companies who learn the basics, learn the fundamentals, they pop out at the end, even though the whole market crashed, the people who understand the fundamentals pop up because they know how to build stuff. It's the builders, right? Because that's the fundamentals. And I think right now we're in the same predicament. We're kind of, everyone's saying, oh, we're in a crypto winter. And it's the companies and the individuals and people that put their nose to the grindstone and actually understand those fundamentals will pop out the winners. That's my belief. Well, I, I hope Vessel is one of them as well. <laughs> so that's my advice. Fundamentals. Fundamentals, very good advice. And we're actually going to talk about that like towards the end of today's podcast. But you just mentioned Vesto. I have looked into it. I've spent time to read it. For our audience who maybe don't know what Vesto is, do you want to give us a high level overview or something for people to understand? What is Vesto? What are you guys doing? Absolutely. And the thing about it is, I hope I don't get too techy because I am the tech guy. So from a high level, I would say that we're a Web3 platform and protocol because we have built a bunch of smart contracts on Ethereum and Polygon to, I would say, to service the following industries or vertical. The first vertical, which we're live with now and, and will be live second, are simply payments. And we have a, a company we partner with in the US to do payments. The, and the second one in that category would be remittance. We have a big project that we've been working on all year, and it's gonna be transferring crypto for remittance or cross-border payments between the United States and Mexico. And the next big one that now we're being talking to everybody based on our protocol is tokenizing money market or financial funds. So I think those are the three buckets we're servicing right now. There are other verticals, but I think from a high level of what we're focusing on this year is those are the three that we're servicing. Wow, that's cool. What made you decide? Um, because as you're talking right in the YouTube video for people who are listening on the podcast, like on your website, I've cut out a segment is bring crypto to the unbanked and underbanked, right? I would imagine payments and repentance cross-border to Mexico services that like, why did you decide to go for those initial verticals? I think, well, I think it's for us that one of our partners, Wolfgang, who's one of the co-founders is he's been in payments his whole life. And one of our advisors who's in Argentina, who's lived with a lot of this financial programs and tools not to be available for underbanked and unbanked and understand that. And it's been our mantra and looking at the market and even like the UN, United Nations is a big initiative to say, hey, we need to provide cheap ways or inexpensive ways to transfer funds. I think that's where it all started. But when you start to then look at, once you get more and more into crypto, you realize that it's not just the, yeah, I'd say mostly the underbanked or unbanked that aren't given these financial tools. It's almost like people who have money are given these financial tools and the people without money aren't given the, given the tools. And so we're a huge belief. And if you look at some of our partners like on Fido, Finclusive, and the rest of them, 
we really are trying to be inclusive and say these financial tools should be for everybody. It shouldn't just be for someone who's got a lot of money. I totally agree. And I've talked about this on the podcast before. I'm originally from South Africa. And if you're living in a city in South Africa, as you just mentioned, people with the money, you have the banks, you have all the financial systems, but South Africa is a huge country. And in the middle of South Africa, there are towns and places where there are no banks. And how do people get any banking done? How do they save for anything? I can definitely see uses for that, not just in the places you mentioned, but globally speaking. And well, that's one yeah. real, real quick. That's another market that it's a little bit, we're actually going to be announcing it probably later this year, but we are getting into mobile money. My background real quick. I did, I was part of the group that did in my early twenties, believe it or not, did a, did the pay and go for prepaid in the UK. Oh, nice. And so mobile, it was a huge success. That's why I'm a serial entrepreneur, but we are going after mobile money and you just, popped an idea you know, in my head. And that's a huge thing that we love is exactly what you just said, how mobile money is huge over in Africa and having the crypto rails behind it is something that I'm very passionate about. Sorry, I had to jump in there. No, good. <laughs> it's good you mentioned it. Chris, one of the things I wanted to ask as well, like when I think of payments and as far as crypto payments, like when you were mentioning payments, is it just transferring money from my MetaMask to my younger brother's MetaMask in South Africa? Is that what you mean by payments or is it something a bit easier than the whole crypto metamask thing yeah so we so part of our protocol i would say at festo is we built our own multi-sig wallet which means that it's non-custodial which means that the funds can't or the tokens can't be transferred out without the end user who owns the tokens uh say so but we also have it's multi-sig which means vesto has to sign it as well and this really provides the security. We do two-factor, we're fully KYC, every person on our platform's KYC. So in essence, it is as easy as going from MetaMask to MetaMask, but MetaMask, you don't have KYC, you don't have the multi-sig to make sure for security. You know, what happens if, let's say from your AML policy, you find out someone's an, a nefarious individual, you need the ability to actually freeze those funds. So all that functionality and features from security, but also from a regulatory oversight, Vesto has developed in their multi-sig and has been a full support of regulation from the get-go. That's nice. And I'm a big believer, as much as I love crypto, I love the whole decentralization ethos and no KYC, freedom of privacy, that sort of stuff. I think in order to get crypto more mainstream, you do need KYC solutions and to abide by AML laws in whatever country you live in. So it's, it's great. Another thing I wanted to talk about is as well is the idea you mentioned as well. And I think that's exciting. I was just talking about it with a friend of mine yesterday is tokenizing money markets. Like, why is this the new thing that you guys want to get into? To be honest with you, we didn't, we originally weren't, I weren't thinking about it, but we've had a few groups approach us and in our protocol, we're on Ethereum and Polygon. We've customized the bridge. And so for us, we can tokenize a fund really quick. We can get their token in an ERC-20 contract. We have it, we have a signing policy for all of that. So I would say the infrastructure or the tech platform for these guys to tokenize. And not to mention their names, but they're quite big. And these big institutions now are starting to step into crypto. And I gotta be honest with you, a lot of them are saying, how does crypto work? <laughs> they're saying, what is this Web3? And I'm going to go to my traditional IT guys and they're scratching their heads as well. Now that's not going to be forever, but right now there's not a huge number of, I would say, talented developers or tech firms that understand how to do this. So I think the future is crypto. They're stepping into it and we're in a position right now to help them tokenize it. Nice. 
So at the moment, would you categorize Vesto as like a primarily B2C, but are you moving towards like the business to business realm? Are you going to do both? B2B. Yeah, no, we're 100% B2B. I think the, the Vesto name for all the projects I'm talking about from remittance, payments, mobile money, tokenizing money market funds, all of it, I would say you're not going to see, you may see Vesto somewhere, but it's going to be branded somewhere else. We don't want to compete against our customers. And for me as CEO, I guess, and CTO, it's been our philosophy to really just focus on the tech and really focus on the core and allow other people to brand, commercialize, almost come up with their own idea of how they're going to use Vesto's protocol. Nice. So at the moment, you've obviously got a few partners and people can see them on the website. Those links will be down in the show notes, in the YouTube channel and the podcast as well. You've mentioned a few other partners as well that, of course, you can't talk about just yet. So do you have some ideal partners in mind? Again, you don't need to name anyone, but are people coming to you or do you have some people you would like to work with in the future moving into 2023? I think right now we are very fortunate. We've got some really, some of our partners just are amazing and are really exciting. Not only good vision, good market, but just good people. And that's, it's just amazing on the, I would say the payments and the remittance and also the mobile money. My old colleague, which I won't mention right now from the UK, we have been talking for months and we finally said, let's go after mobile money in Africa. I think the big one that we just in the last I would say a couple months, really this is very relevant, is the money market funds. We didn't realize how, I would say, perfect the technology we built is to facilitate and to help money market funds or even financial funds to get into crypto. So that's where all of a sudden the light bulb went on saying, wow, we built this for payments and remittance. And then we turned around and said, this is perfect for the financial funds. So I think those are the people that, yeah, give us a call. Vesto, go to our website, vesto.io. <laughs> You heard it straight from the CEO of the company. So that's what you got to do. Chris, on your site, right, you mentioned the benefits of crypto, not just for people, but organizations like, and you've talked about some of those already. Are there any other benefits that you'd like to talk about when it comes to Vesto for organizations? I think for organization, I think that there's so many benefits to crypto, right? It's endless, but I think the instant settlement on the blockchain, the immutability, I think is very obvious. I think the yield. Even though DeFi is down right now, I think there's a, and one of the transitions we're making, there's a big, CeFi is still flourishing for the companies who haven't over leveraged themselves and not to talk about the ones who did. There are traditional, I would say, financial institutions out there that are very risk adverse. And I think yield, you can get really good yields on crypto today from either stable coins, not as much on Bitcoin and the rest, but really stable coins. And I think for a lot of organizations that, are sitting on fiat in their bank account, getting very low rates, you can do that. So I think that's a huge benefit because you're cutting out the middle guys. And also to be honest with you, I think with organizations is the creating new financial products that didn't exist yesterday by creating it. Like for instance, circles phenomenal, what they're doing, right? A stable coin. I mean, you thought it was so simple. They're our partner. We love circle and look at them today. Just amazing. And in the beginning, it was like, oh, you're just, all you're doing is minting tokens. And all of a sudden they become almost the new U.S. currency, but incredible. So those are the things that I think that are phenomenal for organizations. Nice. A total sort of off-track question here. You must have seen the news, right? Binance said, okay, USDT, USDC circle, right? You're out. We're only going to be using BUSD yeah. on our exchange. Do you think that's going to impact circle? 
That is a really good question. And I honestly haven't thought about it as much, but I was talking with our colleagues, Wolfgang and some others and Jeff. Yeah, I haven't really done a lot of things to be honest, but I haven't thought about it. But I think Circle, I don't think so. Circle's got, I don't know what their circulation is right now. They're, the company is incredible. Their API is incredible. Everything they got as a, and they're just expanding. Right? They got the Euro coin now, right? Stable yep. coin out that they launched, which is also, because we're on Polygon, they just launched Polygon support which is phenomenal for USDC. I think it'll probably impact them a little bit, but I don't think, I, I actually, that's a good question. I don't exactly know, but I, I know that Circle definitely will flourish. Yeah, no, and I agree with you. It's, they've just, they've come too far and there's so much support behind them. Chris, you mentioned, and I should ask this earlier as well, you guys are on Ethereum and Polygon. Of course, you would know this is so much social media okay. behind Solana. I have to ask this question. Are you guys going to be on Solana at any point in the future? That is a really good question. Right now for our first use cases, we're locked and loaded for Ethereum Polygon. Done, right? And I think that will probably be the rest of this year and early next year. But Solano is very attractive. And there's other blockchains, other side chains, Optimism, and there's Avalanche, and there's some other ones that we've been looking at as well. And I think that the answer is yes, but it's going to be probably our focus is really to service these initial major customers of ours and then probably sometime next year looking at adding but yes going through the exercise of us from ethereum and polygon and understanding how magical that is as a side chain yes the answer is yes but not now okay we will hold you to that for another future podcast sometime <laughs> in the future yeah one of the things as well i noticed is this is when i was preparing for this show was like you know CNBC did an article. They were like 75% of retailers are preparing to accept crypto roughly 2023, end of 2023, 2024. Do you think that's true? Do you foresee Vesto helping out with this in the US or other places like you mentioned Africa for mobile money? What do you think about that? I hope so. <laughs> From our sake, no. Yeah, I think it's a tricky question, right? I think that I would say from a technology perspective, I think the answer is 100% yes. I think people, when they understand the benefits of crypto, stable coins, and all the rest of it, and what you can do, it's just phenomenal. It really is going to wipe out fraud. It's going to be the new, I would say, payment rails. I would say the biggest issue, not the biggest issue, but I would say the biggest concern about how fast it's going to adopt is regulation, right? The United States is getting, I would say, getting more clear, which is great. I'm in Bermuda, and they're actually, which is great about Bermuda, they're very clear about digital currency and digital assets. So I think that's the biggest issue is just making sure that all the regulatories and the governments can say, okay, this is how it's going to be regulated. This is how we're going to support it. And I think that's going to be the key because if you look at DeFi, for instance, I'm a big fan of DeFi. We're integrated with a bunch of protocols on DeFi, but they're open, right? They're permissionless. And so now regulators are saying, wait a sec, that means that not everybody's KYC. We're monitoring AML. Because you put your money up, great, your KYC, but someone that's borrowing it that could be somewhere in the world could be a nefarious individual or entity or something. So those things, I think the regulators are still getting their heads around. I think that's what's slowing it down, but I think it's positive. So I hope so, but we'll just have to see. Do you think the U.S. will get to a place like where Bermuda is or where the Swiss are or there are a few other places as well? Like I absolutely, I think so. I think so too. I think the United States has been in the forefront, right? When it comes to currency and payments and everything they've done historically, right? The US dollar has been this stable, I would say, currency for so long. I think that the United States is, and even though it may take a little bit longer because they're a big country and you don't have to go through what they're going through, but the answer is yes, I think they'll get there. Do you think, especially with 
the way the SEC has been moving, it's a security, it's not a security, the CFTC and stuff. Are we looking at a solution for all of this whole crypto hubbub in a year or two years? What's your timeline for sort of things becoming clear in your perspective? <laughs> I know that's the magical ball. I think there's a lot, obviously, the initiative, right, from the top of the government to come down and say, okay, we got to start solving this. And I think that program actually is in place. What is it? It's already working out. We've got one of our advisors, Strategic, who is a big banking guy who's following this quite closely and is saying that I would probably say that I think we get more clarity probably at least getting more clarity and understanding sometime next year. But I would say at least I think we're going to see most movement when it comes to regulatory clarity next year in the U.S. Nice. And one of the things I wanted to ask as well, Chris, is that as I was preparing for the show, I looked at Vesto talked about the quick conversion between crypto and fiat. And a good example here is when I convert crypto into Taiwanese dollars where I live, right? And then from my bank, Oh, from my crypto to Taiwanese to getting into my bank account as Taiwanese dollars takes three days. I know on your side, you guys mentioned a quick conversion of crypto into fiat. How quick is it? How is it done? That is a brilliant question. And I think that from, and it's something that we spent a lot of time working through. And so I'm going to promote some of our partners. So we are instant and you are correct. The fiat rails in the United States, for instance, I'll use that as an example, because that's where we're launching could take between, believe it or not, two to seven days, right? Ah. You could, if it's the initial bank transfer, some banks will say, wait a sec, we're gonna hold on this for seven days. And so what we developed is we realized that it wasn't gonna fly. And so what we did is we actually built into our protocol or our multi-sig wallets, instant settlement. And the way that works is, and this is also in conjunction with Circle, because we can do instant settlement fee. Once we get the fiat into Circle's bank account, we can instantly get the USDC is one aspect. The other aspect is we use Plaid, and with Plaid, if we can get information about that user's bank account to assess the risk, for instance, if they want to actually say, I want to buy $100 worth of crypto, we can look at their bank account and say, okay, this guy's got $10,000 in his bank account. I think we can pretty much say this transaction is going to be okay. Um, and there's also other programs that Plaids are working on to give us more insight, which are hopefully they're, I don't want to say it on here, but they're looking at sometime next year. So the idea is that we will front the crypto, even though there's a lag in the bank rails, based on doing some analysis to say, what's the risk factor of that bank transfer not coming in? If we say, hey, that bank transfer looks a little risky, we're not going to front the crypto. So that's how our instant settlement process works. Nice. So KYC is a must for Vesta because all of this relies on you guys knowing who you're actually dealing with. Yep. Okay. And Plaid as well. I, I never, because Plaid, I believe, is, is strictly American, if I'm not mistaken. They are, no, they, I would say US and now Europe, UK okay. and other parts of Europe. And I think that's it. Oh, and Canada? I don't know. Actually, I think you, for us, what I do know about, yes, 100% US and, and Europe, I would say. Okay. So that makes a lot of sense. And so if you were to implement this technology, because this was exciting for me, three days is not a long time here in Taiwan, but it's still, that's a little bit irritating having to do your transfer, wait three days, remember to check, did I actually get my money? Did it go through? Was there any issue? And I love the idea of instant settlement. So in order to implement this globally, you would need your equivalent of Plaid or some other service provider right. in these respective right. countries. Yeah, I think that there's, I mean, there could be more solutions, but I think the the Plaid one, it's really using data, basically using data science techniques, right? If you can analyze a someone's spending habits, or you can look at 
how much money they have in the bank account. That's what we're doing right now. You can make that kind of risk assessment. If you don't have that data, you're absolutely correct. The other way that I've seen, which we didn't go this route, but we've actually been talking to a few liquidity providers is really, you basically do a risk model that says you charge a fee, right? So if you're charging your risk, if something doesn't go through based on the trend, how much the transaction is and the fee, you can almost mitigate the times when the transfer fails, right? Or doesn't succeed. So that's another way that liquidity providers are solving that. But we went more the data science way, <laughs> but, and that's, this is just the US, right? So we couldn't do this in Mexico, which is going to be one of our jumping off points here in the world as well. You're absolutely right. So it's right now our solution is really just US specific. One of the things as well, I noticed on your website, you guys use the word empowerment and not just you guys, a lot of crypto companies do that. We've had a few people on the show who've talked about it as well. Like how is Vesto empowering people or organizations? I have to go straight to the unbanked or the underbanked. You're empowering these people to get funds across borders. And that's a big one for us in a very cheap way and very efficient, fast. And also to give them digital wallets, give them something where they didn't have before and they can actually do peer-to-peer -peer transfers and all the rest of it. I think the, one of the things I'll tell you real quick, not to talk about, this is before I got into crypto. I got one of these books. It, it says cryptocurrency. This has got to be 2015 or, or something earlier. And it's one of these, it's a pretty small book. And I was in the Stanford library and I got the book and it was in a, the first talking about Medici and the, how money started and the ledgering and all this kind of stuff. But there was one story about a real story about this girl who I somewhere in the Middle East could not get a bank account. It was against it. Either her brother or her dad had to actually sign off or be their bank account. And she used crypto not only to get a job to work online, but then to actually go to school and everything else. I remember reading that story and I think that's the empowerment, right? I think at the core of it, that's what got me excited about crypto and is that's why we got into the whole remittance and everything else because you're empowering people that didn't have those tools to start building their finance, financial future. I know that's one use case, but I think for us, that's the main, for me at least, that's the, the huge empowerment to give to people that didn't have those te technologies before. And I totally agree. Like for me, that is something like I've spoken to coworkers, I have a coworker, she lives in Switzerland, but she's originally from Colombia. Whenever she transfers money to Colombia, she has huge issues with her bank and trying to get money for family for like birthdays and stuff and nieces and nephews. It's such a pain. So it makes a lot of sense. Chris, you are on at a perfect time. You are the perfect guest that will be able to talk about the big news this week, the Ethereum merge. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> I have to ask, what's your thoughts on that? I'm like, Oh, I was just like, I just realized it's not even on the script today, but it's like the perfect time to ask this question, especially you have such a cool technical background and it was such a technical feat. What do you feel about the merge? I, it was, I think as the crypto and tech guy, I've been following it and I woke up drinking my coffee yesterday. And the first thing I did was jump on and see what the gas price is for Ethereum. And they're the lowest they've been in a long time. And I celebrated. And I think. <laughs> Ethereum, I, I gotta be honest with you, Ethereum's incredible. They really did shape what crypto is today. They've taken the, and same with Bitcoin, right? Bitcoin came up with the, the, the cryptographic techniques, but Ethereum with the smart contracts, I think it's gonna be a game changer. I think now proof of stake, and now the fact that it's been a long time coming to upgrade, or, or I guess what they're calling the merge, and so far so good, I think it's gonna be a game changer. I think it's gonna change, to be honest with you, how you look at side chains, it's gonna look, it's gonna change a lot. So big fan of Ethereum and we'll just have to see, but yeah, really exciting. Nice. Yep. 
Me too as well. You mentioned this at the start of the show. The so the merge happened and people like, oh, are we gonna go up? We're we gonna go down. We went down. Crypto's been down for a while, and you again you mentioned about building and going forward. Are you guys just focusing on building? How has this bear market affected Vesto? Yeah, it has affected us in a way. It's interesting. We are a startup. We're always in this continual raising money, so that's been obviously a negative. People are a little shy. The positive though is it's really forced us to understand and focus on what's most valuable to Vesto. And that is to focus on our customers, focus on building better technology and pushing it through. And again, focusing on the fundamentals of the building blocks. And it's really forced us that way because I would say a lot of the hype, a lot of that kind of goes away. And what's left is, I guess what I said before, the fundamentals. You just got to keep grinding it out, right? And then pop up. And so it's been a... I would say a double-edged sword. On one end, it's negative, but on the other side, it's extremely positive for Vesto. Nice. Given that this is maybe protracted, people have been saying it's the bear market since 2021. Given this experience you're going through at the moment, like how would you prepare yourself for other such volatility in the future? Yeah, that's a good question. Realize the market's going to go down at some point. <laughs> <laughs> so would be it make sure you got some reserves in the tank would be another one yeah i think and also be smart about i think a lot of companies especially in the financial models over leverage themselves and we don't want really to go we don't want really to go into the companies who did that and i think that's key right i think that again going back to the fundamentals we're building not only so for vesto even though we're crypto and we're servicing financial i would say industry we're really the infrastructure we're not really new DeFi or new financial programs were more infrastructure. Yeah, I would say focus on the fundamentals and have some something in the tank to keep you through the cold times. So Chris, like two questions before we end up today's show. The one being, again, people on podcasts, YouTube always like to know what's the future going to be. They're looking for someone who can look into the crystal ball. So I have to ask this question. What do you see happening in 2020? The news today is like Ukraine war is not going to be over. And that's still going to affect things. Global recession in 2023. How do you see crypto unfolding next year, technology-wise, monetary-wise? What do you think is going to happen in the next three to six months? I would say, so I'm a big fan, obviously, of crypto. I'm a huge fan of DeFi. I think it's brilliant what some of these groups have developed. I would say, to be honest with you, in the next three to six months, it's going to be more, I would say, infrastructure, risk-free type programs that are more focused and not to put Vesto in that category, but I would say that people aren't looking for the quick speculative gain in their pocket for the crypto they pick. I would say it's going to be more infrastructure and more of that going to be in the next three to six months building out. We're going to see, and I'm also really curious to see the new developments in DeFi. I know DeFi has been hit really hard. But I'm a big fan of DeFi and I, I just, I think that DeFi, I think we're going to see some new, because of this market change, I think we're going to see some new interesting financial, I would say DeFi products coming out as well. But I would say later in the year, next year, I would say more, it's more infrastructure right now. Every time you look at a news article and big institutions stepping in, and they're probably more risk mitigated, right? More infrastructure is where I would say in the next three to six months. Nice. And Chris, thank you so much for your time because it is pretty early there. I appreciate it. Before we end off today's show, 
I wanted to ask, is there anything, we've talked a lot about Vesto and you said some really exciting things. All the links for Vesto, social media, and everything is going to be down in the show notes. So for people who want to follow social media and stuff, is there anything else you want to plug about Vesto or mention something for people to focus on, something coming up? You mentioned to tokenize money market funds, of course. Anything you want to plug before we end up today's show? Yeah, just, I think I mentioned before, but our website is Vesto.io. If you want to get in touch with us, just info at Vesto.io. We do have some big announcements coming out probably in the next couple of weeks. So follow those mostly in Mexico and the United States going out on PR Newswire. Other than that, yeah, looking forward to anyone who wants to reach out to us and very much appreciated for having me on the show. Thank you very much as well. Chris, is it okay to, because I have Vesto socials, is it okay to include your socials as well in the podcast show notes, like LinkedIn, that sort of stuff? Yeah, I'm only on LinkedIn. So okay. just, yeah, I'm not a big social media guy, but yeah, put my LinkedIn there as well. Sure, cool. That sounds good. So everyone, you heard it straight from Chris. Vesto is, I gotta say, is you guys are doing a lot of interesting stuff and just having the research I did does not really explain how cool it is. So I really appreciate you taking the time to explain it to me and to the audience as well. So everyone, please check out Vesto.io, go to the website, follow them on social media, check out Chris on LinkedIn as well if you are there. And hopefully we can get Chris on next year to see how all this exciting news that's coming out in the next few weeks has panned out and we'll take it from there. Thanks, Chris. Excellent. Thank you very much. That's all we have time for today, folks. I and everyone at Amun really appreciate you stopping by. Please don't forget to follow us on social media, Twitter at Amun, A-M-U-N, Telegram at Amun Tokens, or stop by our Discord and join in the conversation. If you are Chinese speaking, we now have a Telegram group just for you, Amun Tokens CN. We are also on Reddit at r slash Amun Tokens. Amun also puts out a monthly newsletter with the latest insights on the crypto market. You can sign up for that wonderful piece of writing on the bottom of our homepage. If you're looking for a place to call home, there's nothing better than the Amun community. Looking forward to chatting with you and see you guys next time.